Welcome to Media Mavens, a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss our favorite, or not-so-favorite, movies, shows, and games. I'm Pam. I'm Riley. Let's, Let's get, get started. started. Hello and welcome to Media Mavens. This is episode 15. I am Pam and I am here as always with Riley. Hey. Hi. How you doing, Riley? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> That's good. Um, we have a new guest with us today. He is a writer and podcaster. It's Brother Dom. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Did you want to tell people a little bit about yourself if they're not familiar with your work? Yeah, sure, I can do that. Uh, it's very generous of you to actually call me a writer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, pretty much just one of those people who tweets a lot and um, a lot of hot takes or lukewarm takes and eventually kind of got into social justice-esque speaking on um, blogs and writing. So writing about race, gender, LGBT stuff through the lens of nerdy things. So blogging and that sort of thing and um podcasting so i do a show where we kind of kind of do a not actual but sort of a soft interview and we just recently added a weekly recap to it so yeah i guess writer and podcaster just general social commenter i guess is the best way to put it awesome well i quite enjoy your podcast and you were nice enough to invite me on it earlier (laughs) yes we're glad you were able to make it and um we're definitely getting a lot of different sorts of people, so it's we're glad you can make it on. Yeah, just listen to the one with uh, Khalif Adams. I like him. He was our first guest. Oh, he's great on yeah. our podcast. So <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. Kind of the uh, one of the podcast gurus that um, seems like everybody that I know that's starting podcasts is at least a little bit inspired by like him, Tanya DePass, mm-hmm. Steve Lubitz. Yeah, Super inspirational sure. people. <laughs> All right, so we usually just start the show talking a little bit about what we've been up to in the last week or two. So, Dom, did you want to go first? Yeah, I can jump into that. So, basically, what have I been playing, I think, was one of the things. And Mm -hmm. mostly just Overwatch. I can't stop playing Overwatch. Uh, I went, Mm -hmm. like, a week and a half without playing it because of other obligations, and I had an itch for it. So, I've been back playing Overwatch a lot, so that's always fun. How's uh, it going for you? You know, it's it's been surprisingly good. The last I played some matches today to kind of to clear my head, and I'm competitive. And other than two games that went kind of weird, they've mostly been pretty good. Harassment's oh, been good. pretty low. Uh, teamwork has been high. So everything someone could want. Yeah, that's excellent. I'm having the opposite. <laughs> The opposite experience. I was doing pretty well for a while, and then this week, actually after the patch, I just, it's just been garbage. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Yeah, with the harassment, we, uh, it's it's been seemingly getting better. We've had, I've heard a lot more people calling it out. Um, just yesterday I was playing a game, and some guys were kind of doing trolly stuff, like the traditional trolling, not the racist, sexist trolling. Mm-hmm. And we're like, hey, guys, how about you not? We're trying to concentrate. And someone else said something that was uh, that had a more feminine voice. And someone's like, ooh, are you a girl? Oh. And they're like, could you please not? And I'm like, hey, guys, could, could, you, could you not not harass people? Because um, it's just yeah. it's annoying and dumb and toxic and bad. So It is. It's always nice when uh, someone else on the team stands up for you. <laughs> That's really nice of you to do. 
Yeah, we don't we don't really need that, and you know it's not like that's going to help you play better anyway. So there's there's no excuse for it, and it all it does is just make people upset and sad and breaks concentration. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as watching and other things, I've been I watched a little bit of Luke Cage, and I don't want to get too much into it because I'm behind. <laughs> and lots of music. I've been listening to the Steven Universe soundtrack attack soundtrack uh, for this game. Uh, has a lot of remixes from the show. It's pretty good. And oh, that's cool. Yeah, there's some great stuff. You should check it out after this. And Panic at the Disco's album, Death of a Bachelor, someone recommended it to me, and it's interesting. Yeah, I haven't heard that one myself. Apparently it came out in January, and I just listened to it for the first time yesterday. Uh, been really busy because of Comic-Con and all that. Oh, yeah, you were at uh, New York City Comic-Con, weren't you? Yes, it was interesting. <laughs> interesting? <laughs> Yeah, a lot of good things. This is the first convention I went to, um, like a fan convention, like outside of work and professional things that I treated as an actual convention and not just an excuse to cosplay and drink. Um, <laughs> okay. I, did, I did cosplay and drink outside of the con, but I actually bought things and networked and kind of had a purpose and went to panels and things. Well, that's good. That sounds like fun. I've always sort of avoided the really huge conventions but uh i saw some of your pictures and it looks like it was a good time <laughs> oh definitely i'll have to put some more around i took over 100 pictures i think and what were you cosplaying as um on friday i cosplayed with my uh friend and co-host stephanie uh we were marie from splatoon well she was marie oh from splatoon and i was uh, <laughs> it was great and then i was just a uh i guess a generic squid character in inkling um like with the varsity jacket and I put green mascara in my facial hair to match my squid hair. <laughs> uh, and then Saturday we were Hamilton and Hamilton's wife, Eliza. Oh, wow. I got some good reception. And then Sunday she was Miss Frizzle. And then I was, a, I, it was a mashup cosplay. So Finn from Star Wars and Finn the Human. So like Finn's jacket and then the hat and backpack kind of thing. So the people that got it liked it. That's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work to have a different cosplay for every day. So the the key to it, the the, the secret to multiple cosplays is just keep the old ones. Um, <laughs> the only thing that I added to this weekend was, like I said, just the green mascara for my beard and mustache. That's the only money I spent on costumes this whole weekend. It's all yeah, I, this platoon I've been working on since the January before it came out, and it's just been. Pieces here, pieces there, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, so. All right. Uh, Riley, what have you been up to? Uh, So I'm still playing WoW. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure, like, uh, I haven't played it for the last, like, three days, so I think I might be coming to the end of the everyday playing World of Warcraft, so Uh I will have time for (laughs) other things. (laughs) (laughs) Have you done any uh, any raiding or anything? Uh, only the first wing of LFR, and that's it. Uh, and I think one more wing has come out since then, but mm-hmm. I don't care really. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm kind of like re- reaching like the I don't know the culmination of like stuff that I can do, stuff that's new, and I don't know, not really like having an incentive to log in anymore. So. Yeah, so maybe I'll just play that like every few days instead of every single day as soon as I get home and as soon like until I go to bed. So <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have other things to talk about in the coming weeks, I'm sure. And then uh, 
because of the new Overwatch Halloween patch, I jumped in and started playing a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, of course they got me again with their loot boxes. I hate them so much. Uh. <laughs> um, but I got some good skins. I got the Witch Mercy and oh wow, you got that from a box. I did, and I got nice. um, the Junkrat one as well. Those are the best ones. Uh, yeah, I think I lucked out because they're like the most expensive ones too. They're like three thousand credits or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um. And I played the Brawl, which is awesome, and I think they really need to, like, keep that as a mode. Because um, <laughs> it's actually nice, like, playing with people, but not against other people, so there's no, like, I don't know, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that it's sort of like a PvE mode in the game. It was something different, for sure. Yeah. I like it better than the uh, the Rocket League one. Or whatever it was. Oh, the, the soccer. soccer one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was cute for like a second, but it kind of <laughs> got repetitive. I yeah. liked it, but, you know. Yeah. And I like that uh, there's like new voice lines and stuff in the brawl in particular. Like the characters will talk to each other and uh, it's just so good. And I want more of that kind of content in Overwatch mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah. Um, so we had a question from Orc Chop last week before the Halloween <laughs> patch was even announced, and he asked what costumes we would want in an Overwatch <sighs> Halloween loot box. And I know we've already seen what's available, but is there something that you would have liked to see? Um, well, I would have liked to see like the Viking Torbjorn since it was on that little photo in Winston's office or whatever in that one short. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I thought we were getting that. that I would have put money on that if I were to bet. Um, <laughs> But I don't know, maybe like a hockey mask for Lucio since he likes hockey. But oh, yeah, yeah. I can't think of it. They, they seem to do a pretty good job. I just feel like maybe Halloween's kind of tricky to keep things that are on theme unless they were just random Halloween costumes, you know. Right. Yeah. Which is probably why Torbjorn didn't get it, I'm guessing. I was thinking it would be cool if the characters dressed up as each other, <laughs> which would be hard because like you want to keep the silhouette similar but if you had like mercy and farah swapping costumes or torbjorn with like reinhardt's hammer and armor <laughs> just like a little tiny version oh, yeah or Widowmaker as anna or something like that <laughs> i want to see them cosplay as each other that'd be good actually yeah that would be really cool you know, bastion could cosplay as like diva or something and <laughs> yes with, the shapes could still work i, I like that a lot i saw the spray that diva has that's like the cardboard mech suit and I really so wish adorable. that was like an actual costume. <laughs> I was hoping that there would be more costumes, like so that the majority of them would get them, but then they wouldn't have any mm-hmm. like for next year or whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, that makes sense. So I don't know. They got to keep some things back, I suppose. But it's just like you see them and you want everybody to have something cool. What else did I do? Oh, I started reading Girl on the Train. Uh, and I got, like, maybe a chapter in, so I can't really, like, form an opinion or anything about it, but I wanted to read it before I saw the movie, so I am on the book train. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then I am still catching up on, uh, The Adventure Zone, which is a actual play D&D podcast. Um, I've talked about Mm -hmm. it before. Um, and I'm 
like nine episodes away from being caught up. Uh, and everybody is telling me like, oh, it gets so good. Like, you're, you're going to love the next arc. And I was like, shut up. I don't want to hear anything about it. I don't want to hear if it's good. I don't want to hear if it's bad. I don't want to hear anything. So, but it's so good. It's like, the the storytelling is so great. And the character voices are, are good. And like the three brothers and their dad that do this, they're just, I don't know. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't never been so much. <laughs> um, that's about all I've been up to. Like, World of Warcraft was there for a while, and now that I'm sort of out of its clutches, hopefully there'll be time for other things. <laughs> mm-hmm. We can talk about new games. Yeah! Because Tomb Raider came out, and I have to play that. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I'll replay that. Mm-hmm. Now I can finally play it on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Like it was meant to be played. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing it back to the old style. Yeah! I don't want to start any fights, though, so we can move on. <laughs> um, what have you been up to the last since the last time we talked, man? More Overwatch. I learned something that made me a lot better at the game, although it also made me very embarrassed that it took me basically months to figure this out. Uh-oh. Um, I had been burst shooting because, like, literally every other shooter game has recoil on the weapons but this game doesn't and it took me a very long time to realize that there was no recoil so now i fire a lot faster and do a lot more damage oh no (laughs) Uh, yeah if it makes you feel better i did that for the first couple weeks Mm -hmm. and then i saw a video and i was like how the fuck are they shooting so fast and i was like oh (laughs) (laughs) you just hold it down it's fine yeah exactly it was i don't know i'm just not used to being able to do that without like shooting up into the sky or something (laughs) so uh and then since i learned that uh zenyatta became my new main because Mm. now i can put the herd on with zenyatta um and i've even been getting some play of the games which is i don't usually get on support so (laughs) nice yeah so it's been going well although yeah my competitive just is a constant roller coaster which is currently (sighs) down like i played two matches yesterday to try to get more loot boxes and both matches neither team could take the first point and it was like a zero zero draw it was just really really sad (laughs) that sounds like a solid match though it's appropriately skill leveled match (laughs) i guess so yeah it was just it was so strange because when my team went first and i was like oh no we're gonna get crushed and then the other team went and they couldn't take the point either and i was like i guess Huh, I guess we're all bad or really good at defense. I don't know. <laughs> Other than that, I just played through Blaster Master, which is an NES game. I was playing it for my next uh, YouTube review that I'm going to make. <laughs> and it was really, really challenging. And it sort of ties into our last episode with what we were talking about uh, with gaming with nostalgia. Because a lot of people who played this as a kid, and I didn't play this as a kid, really love it. And they've like highly recommended it to me. But um, it's one of those games where I can see if I was 10 and only owned six Nintendo games, <laughs> it would be awesome. <laughs> But since I'm an adult with a lot of options, 
<laughs> it wasn't it wasn't awesome. No. <laughs> so uh yeah, I just I'm finding that with a lot of the retro games, especially like the 8 and 16 bit stuff where I just I don't have the patience that is required for it that I would have had uh if I had played them back when they first came out. Yeah. Like um, all the old Disney games. Yeah, the Disney ones are at least a little less challenging. Like, they're sort of more on the easier side. But still, I find, like, DuckTales, I never played DuckTales, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking of, like, The Lion King. That game's, I'm pretty sure, is impossible. Like, the Game Boy cheating. one? Um, the Genesis and Super Nintendo one, but oh, I don't know okay. if... And they're both different and equally impossible, and they're still hard to beat even with, like, invincibility cheat codes on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't played The Lion King. I've played the Aladdin... One. Oh, I like the eleven one from what I remember. Mm. <laughs> been a while. That's really all I've been playing. Um, and then as far as watching goes, I <laughs> watched the last episode or the last season of Grey's Anatomy that was put up on Netflix. Um, I actually liked this season yeah. a fair bit. Like I thought it was better than sort of some of the previous seasons. Although it's passed on a message to me, like I really needed this anymore to like never get pregnant because if you get <laughs> pregnant, your husband will get shot or killed or you'll get hit by a car yeah. or you'll get divorced yep. or you'll end up getting cut open in a hallway without any <laughs> anesthetic. So it's just like, don't get pregnant. That is the message I've taken away from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> or <laughs> that's just basic science that's what the alien franchise taught us so you know, yeah, that's true science <laughs> I, yeah grace also tell you, teaches you not to be a doctor because bad things happen to doctors as well at least at this hospital yeah seems like it really sucks <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know some doctors that i think they'd agree with you yeah <laughs> other than that i watched the movie triangle which is um, a horror movie where this group of people go out on, like, a sailboat, and then out of nowhere, this big storm comes and capsizes their boat, and they think they're stranded, but then this big sort of ocean liner cruise ship comes by, although something is wrong with it. Like, it looks very antiquated and old, and no one's on it. And then people start dying. Mm. So it it was pretty good. Like, it's about, uh, like, time loops and things. Like, weird Ooh. Bermuda Triangle things. Even though I don't think they're actually near the Bermuda Triangle. But I've been listening to the Black Lodge Screening Room, which is Leora's podcast. And she's doing a thing for October where every single day she's doing, like, a five or ten minute podcast sort of highlighting a lesser known horror movie Ooh. so this was one of the this was one of the movies that she talked about cool. nice. that's why i watched it yeah i'm going to be on uh tomorrow's episode i think uh tomorrow as we're recording not as we're releasing <laughs> <laughs> in the past in the past more time loops uh, and then I discovered a new podcast, which is called Lady Problems, and <laughs> it's based on a column on MTV.com, and it generally starts out with an interview. Uh, the first episode had Mara Wilson, who I really like on Twitter. She just released oh. a book. She was uh, Matilda yeah, and yeah. Uh, the kid from Mrs. Doubtfire. The most recent one had Phoebe Robinson from Two Dope Queens. 
And uh, so it has an interview portion, and then it goes over some sort of general pop culture news about women being treated poorly in pop culture. And then the hosts offer ridiculous solutions to the problems or punishments for the, <laughs> for the people who are being sexist. So it's pretty funny. It's like a nice 30, 40 minute podcast. So it's a quick listen. Nice. Cool. Cool. Um, and I think that's it for me. So we can move on to our main topic for the show, which is Steven Universe. Yay! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not write a description of Steven Universe. Would anyone else like to tell people what Steven Universe is for any listeners who haven't seen the show themselves? Steven Universe is a show where Rebecca Sugar pretty much wanted to deceive you into thinking it was about a cute boy and it's really deep and will rip your heart out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I say that as a good thing. Um, basically, what Steven Universe is is a story about a young boy who finds out that he has magical powers while he's being taken care of by three also magical women that are actually um, light projections of rocks. Pretty much his adventures fighting some monsters and coming to terms with his powers and what his legacy is and all that. And a lot of the things that would really grip you about the show, um, you know, grip you, not just bring you in, but grip your kind of spoilers and the oh crap moments that you get to once the myth arcs really kick in. But it does the thing that a lot of Cartoon Network shows do where um, like Rick and Morty or a lot of other things on Toonami are basically, oh, it's like a one note joke. And then it eventually gets to like, oh, there's a myth arc. Oh, this is really deep. This is okay. This is a fantastic show. I think that's a really good description of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so this episode, we did things a little differently. Uh, usually we pick a topic and then we find a guest to talk to us about the topic. Whereas this time I went to you, Dom, because I wanted you on the show and you huh. suggested Steven Universe. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything like particularly relevant now that, you know, has it going through your head? Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of like queer representation in it and a lot of... Um, just the the aesthetics that I like, like the kind of soft cutesy look. Uh, like the comics I like are things like Scott Pilgrim. I, I'm not too much and do things that look like the big two's art. I just, that's just what pulls me. That's why it's been pertinent to me. Mm -hmm. But I also get into really obsessive moods where I just fixate on a thing for a while. Um, Overwatch is like that. Splatoon was. Uh, the through line of my life is the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise, mm -hmm. uh, for better or for worse. Um, <laughs> No, but Steven Universe, I really like. I think it does a lot of interesting things with storytelling and characters. So that's it's just something I think about a lot. I think it's one of the best shows on TV for a various set of reasons. I think one of the sort of most interesting things about the show is how the appeal spans from children to adults. Because, I mean, it was sort of made as a kid's show, but a lot of adults have really sort of grasped onto it and have become huge fans of it right what do you think it is that manages to appeal to both and keep the attention of both audiences that yeah, that's a, you know that's an interesting question i've been thinking about a lot you know to get the quick answer to that without me answering it, it would be i guess to look at adventure time and my little pony the friendship is magic um mm -hmm. again that, that doesn't does answer the question i think there's a combination of not pandering to your audience even though you've made it for your audience so it's definitely for children but it doesn't treat children with kid gloves you know 
uh, these these stories in Steven Universe, people they kind of die or are dead. Um, there's the high risk things, but ultimately a lot of it is about you know respect each other, be yourself, you know find your own destiny. Seem to be the kind of uh, messages in it. But why, why do adults like it as well? I think I'd be curious to see what the demographics are for like capital A adult TM adults. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm 26, so I'm part of that dreaded millennial phase, and I think a lot of it is we have a nostalgia for the past, but also the the people. I read it somewhere that it was talking about J.G. Quintel, uh, the the writer of regular show, is that people like him, Rebecca Sugar, Pendleton Ward, are the people they grew up watching cartoons. You know, cartoons have always been around for our life, so people like Walt Disney had to kind of make it. Um, Hanna Barbera had to make these things, but. We've seen cartoons that are awesome, cartoons that suck. We see what does work, what doesn't. So I think there's a little bit of an absurdity in Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. It does one of the things that, for all its faults, Family Guy does kind of well sometimes, is that they put things like people falling down in it. Um, like I remember there was a joke where Steven was trying to run and he just tripped and fell. Um, that wasn't a serious joke. It was just part of how excited he was. And they didn't like dwell on it, but it was, this feels grounded you know this world's really fake but it feels like it mirrors our own in a lot of ways and i think that appeals to uh, there's something absurd about hey there's a pink and a purple person but they're just people mm-hmm. I, I think that's why it, it transcends but also like all the anime influence and stuff uh, i think our generation really likes that kind of thing so yeah that's true i didn't even really think about the anime connection just since i i sort of a neophyte when it comes to anime so <laughs> Right, so I, I grew up watching Dragon Ball Z. Actually, I started by watching Sailor Moon, and then I saw Dragon Ball Z on afterwards, and I hadn't really watched anime, so I'm like, oh, this looks like Sailor Moon, but none of the characters here. What is this? And then people started shooting lasers at each other. I'm like, this is trash. And then I'm like, oh, but I like lasers. This actually isn't trash, or it's great trash, whatever. But if you look at some of the fight scenes in Steven Universe, uh, particularly in, I forget the name of the episode, but it's it, it's the one where they're on the spaceship and... and, and you know, Garnet's doing her big fight that everyone knows and loves. And just that episode, I think, has everything that that encapsulates why you would love this show. Basically, great fight scenes, beautiful colors, lovely music, a lot of heartfelt things, um, a good arc, some sadness, some cliffhangers. I think, yeah, Jailbreak's the name of the episode. I think if you watch Jailbreak, you'll get the full entire Steven Universe experience in 12 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good example. <laughs> that was a good episode. Yeah, I find I found that one was really good, and I also really liked the pilot, which is strange because I find b- pilots can sometimes be a little weak. But I thought that episode with the time turner was really good, and it sort of showed ev- a little bit of every character. Plus, it had it had singing. So, <laughs> no, is that the one that they reused for Stephen and the Stevens? That's when they came. Is that when he brought the time turner back, or? Yeah, I think Steven and the Stevens brought it back. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen the pilot, unfortunately. Yeah, it's uh, it does a really good job of... Uh, he has the time turner, and what makes him go back in time is thinking of comebacks. Like, uh, <laughs> Lar- Lars, I think it's... Yeah, Lars will um, make fun of him, and he won't think of a comeback, and then he'll use his time turner when he thinks of one to go back and, like snap back at him (laughs) (laughs) that's probably what i would use it for i'm not gonna lie (laughs) yeah riley is there anything you wanted to add about uh sort of what it is that appeals to you or how you feel it appeals to everyone 
I found the the way that I feel about Steven Universe is similar to how I feel about Korra in that it's, you know, this technically a kid's show on, on the Cartoon Network, but at the same time, they, they're able to talk about these really big, uh, like, themes and events that can happen in, in everybody's lives. Um, and they do it in a way that, that is clear for kids. And then at the same time, as an adult, like, if you're struggling with something like that, then you can see it in the show and it gives you a way to, to think about it in not simpler terms, but in a way that's kind of maybe better laid out for you to, to see it that way. And you can see other people working through it and see how they've, they've worked through it and, and kind of, uh, have an idea for yourself how it might go. Uh, so we had an email from the Forever Noob who sent us uh, some comments and a whole bunch of questions. Uh, I just wanted to read a little bit of the email. It says, the important aspects of the show to me, the show seems to cover a lot of very adult topics, but in a kid-friendly way. Also, I absolutely love that they involve topics like PTSD with Lapis. But the biggest thing I love about the show is the representation of both LGBT and persons of color, with both Garnet and Amethyst presenting as such. Also, the show has a very diverse cast behind it. Uh, which obviously wasn't a question, but he just wanted to talk about how the show is important to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that was a really good sort of description of what it does and uh, sort of how it does it well, because I feel like everything about this show is quite natural. Like in a lot of the cartoons and things, when I was growing up, uh, there would be these sort of message episodes, but it would be like a very special episode. And at the end of it, everyone on the show learns a lesson about accepting people where this is just a common theme, like just love and acceptance is just a common theme throughout the entire show. So it doesn't feel like it's, um, uh, I don't know. It doesn't feel so specific and, um, pointed. It's just, it's just there the whole time. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't feel that... It was clearly a conscious choice, um, if you look at a lot of the background characters, but it doesn't feel like it was a checkbox that a, a corporation needed you to fill. I mean, it, it harkens back to the 90s and those cartoons from when we were growing up that a lot of these things weren't really questioned. Um, I mean, you look at the neighborhood in Hey Arnold, it's it's multicultural. Look at Bluffington and Doug. Um Despite the fact that there's a lot of Technicolor characters like purple and green and pink, there are black people, white people, but it's not really a thing. And, you know, even Captain Planet where, yes, the characters were specifically from other countries, but, you know, the diversity felt this is just how this is or there's a reason why it is and it's fine. It's not It's not a problem, you know. I think mm-hmm. with Steven Universe, it doesn't feel like a checkbox. It just feels like here's a bunch of families from a lot of places. You know, you have the Maheshwarans. Um, an mm-hmm. Indian family, I believe. You have Kiki and Jenny's family, which is, I, I should know, but they're of some African descent. You know, Kofi, uh, his voice actor, uh, is a hilarious comedian. Um, but you have their mm-hmm. family. You have the Fry, the Fryman family. And there's just a lot of people. Um, even the gems look like a lot of different ethnicities. So I think there's, it just is natural, mostly because it seems like it's easier to remember characters if they don't all look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and the characters are very memorable, and even those sort of side characters end up being quite uh, quite well-developed. Yeah, I mean, even Jenny and Kiki are twins, but they're completely different characters. 
So we have another question from the Doc Webb. He asks, how is Steven Universe different from the shows you watched as a kid? Uh, we went over that a bit. But would Steven Universe have made a difference for you growing up? I mean, it would definitely have let me come to terms with um, a, a term, uh, soft masculinity. Like, you can be hmm. masculine without having to be, hey, I'm going to punch better than you, or whatever <laughs> you would want to say. Like, Steven uses his shield and his words and his friendship. And, you know, sometimes it's not the best course of action. You know, there's probably some conflicts that may have been avoided with a little violence seeing as it is like a space opera fighting show mm-hmm. but you know all the things like strong in the real way there, you know there's different ways to be strong or whatever trait you want to have so it would have helped me with that and also would have normalized queer stuff mm-hmm. not, not, it's never been something i've had a problem with um, but it's definitely helped to see representation on tv rather than have to Learn from my own experience or other people's experiences as much. You can't always get that. So it would have helped with that sort of thing. I'm trying to think. I mean, I think I watched mostly like Sailor Moon in the mornings, like on Saturdays. So, I mean, it's different because it's not all like magical girls. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, like trying to think growing up, it probably would have been good. Like I grew up in a really small town that was very white. Um, so being able to to have uh, like a show like that show me that like diversity is out there. It's not just your little town that is like be all end all of your world at the time. Um, <laughs> would have probably been really good. Good for me. Um, and definitely seeing uh, like the queer representation in the show um, I think would have been good too. Uh, I feel like it would have been really good for some members of my family to see. Um, <laughs> another feeling. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it probably would have given me maybe, or, or given my family and me and like extended family a way to talk about that kind of stuff where we could relate it to the show and then to other people in our lives instead of, you know, our, our tiny experiences, you know, kind of making it a little awkward or, or anything talking about it. So it probably would have helped kind of maybe open up that conversation for sure. I can think of that a lot like, oh, I wish that this person had watched this show when they were a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for me, I sort of really like how it's Steven growing up with these three strong women figures in his life because I mean when I was a kid it was just uh me and my mom a lot of the time and for a few years we lived with her best friend so it was just me and two women and then there was all always like other women around so it was very much uh women were definitely the big part of my growing up so it's nice to see a show where Steven has these strong female characters in his life um and teaching him good things like you talked about the sort of soft masculinity which uh you know i love that steven has a shield his his like gem weapon is a shield rather than you know a spear or a whip like some of the other people have mm-hmm. it seems like all the quartzes have um non-lethal weapons to some extent even amethyst who has a whip the whip is more of an ensnaring device really and you know jasper mm-hmm. has that helmet thing Rose Quartz had her shield, and, you know, it just seems that all their weapons are more of either stop damage or 
prevent it in some other way. It's an interesting thought that I think about a little bit. One thing which uh, you also mentioned before was just sort of this uh, world building or this grand sort of mythology around the show. The episodes are all very short. They're only 10 or 11 minutes long, but so many of them manage to pack in a lot of plot and sort of how the crystal gems work and the extent of Steven's powers and just the extent of uh, what's going on in the world gets developed quite quickly and in a very small amount of time. We have a question from, I think this one is from the Forever Noob again. Uh, how do you think they fit so much story into a small amount of time without it feeling rushed? Carefully. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, care- very carefully. Background events, I think, are, are add to a lot of it. Um, killing two birds with one stone sort of things. Just like small details that, you know, they can foreshadow a lot. For instance, we see Amethyst doing the spin dash just randomly in one episode as a fight and we just accept that as something she can do. <laughs> and then we see later on, Jasper does like a spin dash with like an aura around it. So we're like, oh, okay, they must be from something similar. And when more details about that are told to us, it's like, oh, okay, of, of course she can do that because of this whole subset of gems. Um, so background events are one thing. You know, when Steven first goes into line, we see like five different things in within his subspace or whatever it is. So we autom- we know just from seeing that Rose has secrets that people don't know. Line has magic that we don't quite understand. And there's five more plots that deal with Rose's conflicts and maybe her struggles and all that. How much spoilers can we get into? Go for all it. All of them. Yeah, we'll uh, put a note in. <laughs> okay, so we, we see like in one of the earlier episodes that there's a tape in there that kind of is talking about, you know, Rose just leaving a message for Steven. But we also see far before she's ever released, we see Bismuth's gem. And we have no clue why it's there. It's just, is this the most powerful gem? And we finally sealed it away. Um, ultimately, we find out she just was a little bit, uh, the trope would be X crazy. Just had, had blood knight tendencies. Like she had to be sealed away for whatever reason. But there's mm-hmm. also some other things in there, including her scabbard. And it's basically just hints to her secrecy. So every time we find something else out about Rose, it's always hey, there's going to be something else. Like, it's going to get deeper, you know? We find out how her fight with Pink Diamond went. So just with that statement, it says there's so much more to unpack about this character rather than she was this great, pure figure to everybody, but they're secrets. So I think that's how they do it. And they don't waste time with, you know, even their filler episodes don't seem to be filler. So we saw one with Onion and his buddies. I'm thinking, well, this could be filler, but (laughs) maybe not, you know? Onion, he's so strange. <laughs> I mean, he's not Yellow Diamond, which is a disappointment, but, you know. <laughs> Does Onion ever talk? I've only seen season one, so. I don't, I don't remember. He talks like his dad does a little, I think once or twice. He talks in that uh, wah, wah, wah language, oh. but, but, but barely even does that. He mostly just stays silent and glares menacingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... It seems like so much planning goes into the show with just all the little things you get a glimpse of earlier that end up being their own episode sometimes even. I'm really impressed with how much planning there is and how much is revealed. And again, it's just so natural the way they do it. It's not like, oh, in this episode, we have to teach Steven this. It's just sort of something that comes up during the course of events. Right. 
Um, and to add to the foreshadowing, it, it's it goes as deep as the beginning. It's it shouldn't have been a surprise that Garnet was a fusion, um, considering she has two gems and no one else does. To mm-hmm. us, it just kind of seemed like oh, she's just more powerful. That's how this works. But we actually have no, no idea how it works. And we saw opal fuse. I'm like oh, okay, cool. There's two gems or Suglite, There's three. Even when they form Alexandrite for like the little dinner date with Connie's parents, you see like a freeze frame of when they destabilize. There's four gems there instead of just the three you thought there would be. So oh, it I kind didn't of, even catch those things. <laughs> well, that it, it's real short. Someone had mentioned it to me and I looked, but it's they they still put it in there. They didn't try to obscure it by having her her light look like Garnet. It was pearl, amethyst, ruby, and sapphire and. It kind of points out that Ruby and Sapphire's love is so strong that they won't even fall down for that brief second. They fuse before they hit the ground. So mm-hmm. it's stuff like that is, you know, I think that's how they fit so much in is that they kind of raise plot points that don't have any consequence to today. And then they can kind of call it back later and you're like, oh, that's right. Future vision is a thing. That's probably where like the short episodes give them the option to do that because they're not planning for, say, like a half hour to fill and they're like maybe getting worried about okay well we got to talk about this got to talk about this and then we can wrap it up where it's like you know you can add all these small things and these you know little bite-sized episodes and then it adds up eventually yeah i think it's a lot of writing with purpose you know um i don't know who popularized the format of 15 minutes and that's the whole episode Uh, traditional animation was always 15 minute episodes but there would just be two parts to it so I think it's been around for a while, but Adult Swim really kicked that into gear, in my opinion. Shows like Metalocalypse, even though they're completely just fever dream kind of shows, they <laughs> still pack a lot of world building into every episode and call things back. You know, regular show Adventure Time, Steven Universe, this whole, I don't know what you would call it, Bronze Age, Gold Age, Technicolor Diamond Age of <laughs> animation. I think they, they're really focused on no need to waste time with establishing shots, no need to explain things when they don't need to be like i said they didn't need to explain why amethyst could do the spin dash or um our suspension of disbelief will give us that much and i think mastery of what we're able to suspend our belief to will let us get through everything like i don't think they ever explained that the how the warp warp pads work they just say we have these it's gem technology Mm -hmm. like we either learn about that later or it's really not that serious it's not important to go through well it breaks your body down into light and then sends it to another (laughs) pad where it was it doesn't matter. It's, it's a warp pad. <laughs> yeah, I like that, that it doesn't get too bogged down into explanations. I mean, it is a show about crystal gems. So, you know, we have to be able to, we have to be willing to believe in magic a little bit. Yeah. And, I, you know, we believed in everything that happened in Adventure Time. So I think there's, <laughs> there's already that established of just tell your story. And if people get confused, explain it later. But they probably won't. Do you have a favorite gem? I want to know who people's favorite gems are. <laughs> or the gems that you most um, sort of relate to. Uh, Wax asked about our gemsonas. <laughs> but yeah, who do you relate to or who is your favorite to gem to watch? It's a huge toss-up between Garnet and Peridot. Um, <laughs> Peridot's such a, such a dork and I, I love, love it. It's as adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and then Garnet is... I, I mean, I... Same thing, Garnet is this really strong, stoic, amazing, for lack of a better word. She's a black woman, but she's not, but she's a black woman. But 
she's also like this huge dork. Like every time she sees somebody fuse, she gets so happy and she just loves everybody so much. And it's cool to see someone be such a badass, but also be like, I love my friends. They're cool. So I think her and Peridot are like perfect peanut butter and jelly kind of <laughs> characters. <laughs> and I wish they would have fused in that episode where it looked like they were going to. That would have been I'd that would have been great. Soon, maybe. <laughs> as far as Gemsona, I, I don't have one, but it would be like something, I don't know. It would be Lapis, but with wind instead of water, I guess. I don't know. I don't know a lot about crystals. Really? Yeah, I love Peridot. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's such a goof. And, like, she kind of ended up being... Uh, redeemed a little bit, kind of by Stephen, which was which was nice, and she wasn't just, you know, treated terribly, and everybody kind of, you know, she's prickly at first, but then once they kind of got to know her a little bit, it seemed like things are working out. So I also uh, like I really like Lapis as well. So I don't know, maybe a bit of a toss up there. Uh, and then um, I don't know, I haven't really like ever thought about a gemsona, so I'm not really sure. But maybe uh, something like maybe great, like an emerald of some kind. I don't know. That would be cool. Cool. Yeah, my birthstone is ruby, so I kind of just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I haven't thought a whole lot of gemsonas either. I don't know a ton of the different, uh, like about the different kinds of gems and what they do, as opposed to like what specific gems do. And my favorite is uh, Garnet. She, again, she, yeah, she's very stoic and she's, you know, the sort of calm, cool headed one. But at the same time, you can tell how much she cares about everyone from Steven to the other gems. They sometimes they do these really great things with the animation. There was one episode I was just watching where she's wearing her sunglasses and she goes to like wipe a tear away, but you can't see it because it's under her sunglasses. And I just thought that was, (laughs) that was so nice how they did that. Yeah, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I do like how she is a fusion, uh, which I totally didn't guess. I just thought, oh, she has two gems because she has two gauntlets. But <laughs> Yeah, I just assumed it, that was how it worked, <laughs> which I guess is kind of true to some extent. I love that she's stoic, like, but they also play it for comedy. Like, She's not one of those like ice queen tropes where she's just always stoic. They have her be stoic even in situations where it's more of a joke. Um, mm-hmm. Like when she jumped out of the van because Greg was playing rock music and she wasn't having it. Or or like um, when Steven was getting old and they're all trying to figure out what to do. And she just looks and just starts shaking him. And Pearl's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I thought violence would be the answer. And it just cried. And it is just such a ridiculous thing because the right thing didn't work. So let's just try shaking him. Yeah. Yeah, she does that in in the pilot as well because uh, a monster comes and Steven needs to be able to rewind time. But before the monster comes, she like leans down to him and she's like, why are you such a butthead? And then they go off and fight. And then he has like an insult to come back to when it comes to rewinding time. (laughs) That's funny. She's so cool. Uh, and then as far as the non-gem character goes, the Doc Web asks if we have a favorite non-gem character. That is, that is tough. Um, it's, it it's, should be Connie. I think it's Connie. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I also like Nana, uh, Jenny, and Kiki's grandma. Like, she's just hilarious. Like, she's... Like just stone cold cool. She's always laughing at Kofi. Yeah, I like. I really like Connie as well. Um, 
I love it when her and Stephen. Oh, what's the word? Merge? Not merge. Fuse. What is it? <laughs> fuse. Oh, there we go. You're in the fuse, yeah. Yeah. yeah Stefani like the... is so cool. Yeah, Stefani's great. Uh, yeah, I like Connie. I like how she's so smart and quiet, and I really liked her introduction into the show. Riley, did you have a favorite non-gem? I like Sadie. Sadie's cool. Which one's Sadie? The, she works at the donut shop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like her a lot. Yeah, <laughs> the big donut whose logo is like a B and a D and a donut. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> she's like so normal, I guess. It's kind of, I don't know if that's the right word, but she's like, compared to Steven and his gem family, she's like... You know, super chill. And then, uh, like, any of the different stuff that happens, she just kind of rolls with it and kind of takes it in stride. She's like, you have gem moms? That's fine. I, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the general cavalier attitude the Beach City has towards the random stuff that happens from the gems. Like, they're not thrown off that they're aliens. The, the most is they'll get mad that they broke some of their things. But, yeah. <laughs> like, Kofi flips out. like, hey, you broke my building. Not, like... Hey, there's three alien women that are just here fighting another alien. <laughs> that's that's fine. Just don't break my store. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Just don't don't touch my stuff. <laughs> and then we have another question from Wax, who asks, "What do you think the value is of the episodes focused on the Beach City residents as opposed to the gems and the lore?" It, it kind of gives context for why the people care. One of the I, I remember the show Danny Phantom, a, a very underrated show. There, there was kind of a, a question as to why Danny cared about the ghosts in Amity Park. What was his point in stopping the ghosts? Like they, sometimes they were doing things, but a lot of times they were just being jerks. And, you know, his parents did have the capability to stop them. Like, what was he fighting for? Why should I care about these people mm-hmm. um, who hated him? It was the whole Batman thing. But, you know, Batman has a sense, has a sense of uh, like clean up the streets because something that happened to me in the past. Danny was kind of like, I guess I'll do this because I can. It doesn't really need to happen. Um, so with Beach City, you know, you kind of get, you know, this is a lovely city that you don't want to see destroyed. There's such nice people here. And I think there's a little bit of foreshadowing within the Beach City residents. I think they use it as a way to, like, say things like Ronaldo has a lot of times where he'll spoil the plot with his wild theories. Like you <laughs> mentioned, the Diamond Authority trying to haul out the Earth which is 100% something that did happen like 40 episodes later. Um, but if you look at like the cool kids, they just mirror the gems, you know, with their attitudes, behaviors, and the general way that they act. So I'm curious to know if other characters mirror other gems that they might deal with. Hmm. That would be interesting to see. Like maybe there's some people in the town who mirror gems that we just haven't met yet. Exactly. Hmm. I like that idea. I mean, I feel like they made it explicit when they found Peridot's skate pod and they took all those selfies. <laughs> and Buck Dewey was standing next to Garnet wearing the same glasses and the same stance. You know, Jenny and Amethyst are the wild party ones. And then Sour Cream and Pearl are the ones that are kind of pointy and out of place. <laughs> that one was a little bit more loose, but aesthetically they were the same. So I look forward to the gems that are aesthetically similar to Sadie and Lars. Yeah, I... um. I like hearing about the stories that are are not about the gems. 
Um, I mean, of course, I love like you know learning more about like Gem Society and how how that works and and learning how they came to I guess Earth. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think I think it's kind of important to have that the back and forth so you can see you know you can see the differences but also the similarities between the gems and and the people that live in Beach City. Right. It also gives them something to do when they're not necessarily fighting evil. It shows the duality between Steven's human half and his gem half, but the episode where they first turned into Stavani, they didn't fight anybody, they didn't use any gem powers, they just kind of dealt with the metaphor of hitting puberty. That's pretty much that episode was just, hey, we confuse, how do we deal with that? Mm-hmm. And again, so it kind of shows that it seemed like, cool, they confuse, what are they going to do? Oh, it's filler after that? But it really plays to the whole mental state and the idea of how gem fusions work, you know. So, mm-hmm. again, with the storytelling, without furthering the plot, they built the world some. And if you didn't have an interesting cast of people in the background, if you didn't know Sour Cream was into music, it'd be like, why is he raving? Why did anybody show up? Why are, who are these people? But that wasn't a question. It was just, oh, okay, cool. I loved so much in that episode when Garnet, uh, first saw them fused and she was like you're not one person you're not two people you're an experience make it a good one <laughs> yeah i thought that was so great <laughs> and i also think that showing the beach city residents yeah again sort of like the what are you fighting for thing i mean rose quartz made the crystal gems uh to protect earth so you know you want to see like what what was she fighting for sort of thing and what do they keep fighting for yeah exactly one of the big things about the show is the queer representation um a lot of people really enjoy that aspect of it (laughs) as i said i've only seen season one so i don't have a full grasp on this um for me it's the um pearl and rose relationship that sort of uh i think rebecca sugar did say there was definitely romantic feelings there uh but what what other relationships are there later on technically like none oh oh really yeah i think it's what garnet sort of like she's the embodiment of uh like a lesbian relationship right yeah that's about it that's the only canon one um so it kind of does this weird thing where it blurs the line of what fusion's supposed to represent as a metaphor and when it's doing that. So Garnet being fused together is a metaphor for a relationship, right? Um, but then when Sugalite is formed and some of the other fusions, it's more of like a battle focus. It's we're in sync as two really good friends who may or may not be romantically attracted, but really just we need to not die right now and this is the best way to do it. And then when Jasper and Lapis formed, that was a good metaphor for an, like an abusive, like, I guess mutually abusive relationship, um, very toxic and that sort of thing. Yeah. And people said sometimes that it's a metaphor for sex or like consent and all that. And I think you get into some scratchy territory there when it was unintended. Mm-hmm. So it seems like on a fusion to fusion, episode to episode basis, what exactly the metaphor is for. Um, but there is shipping. A lot of people ship Amethyst with their favorite character in the show <laughs> let's put it that way um like she shipped with one of the humans um pearl depending on the day peridot lapis depending on the day but it's just 
the show's vibe is very queer. I say that in a very good way. It's, it's, it's a nice change of pace. Um, mm-hmm. You just get the feeling that if somebody were to say, I'm in love with X person in the show, it would just feel all right and no one would question it. And it wouldn't mm-hmm. feel it wouldn't feel random or set up or out of the blue. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah for sure. They've got that that sort of openness all throughout the show. But I'm I'm kind of surprised it learned that there was really a, the only one canon queer relationship because just based on everything I've read, I like assumed everyone was gay. But I I do that a lot. So. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, I, there's it definitely is a show that wants you to feel that way. Um, okay. Like you know how in Adventure Time, Marceline and Princess Bubblegum never actually said we love each other, but it was like, come on. Yeah, they're like that's the whole that's the whole show. Like Pearl gets is like thirsty after everybody. Um, <laughs> mostly Rose Quartz, um, but she, there's like some other human running around who is a human Rose Quartz essentially visually, and it's like oh, like she gets her number and stuff. So it's just I don't know how to put it like. Like, the energy that Lapis and Peridot have, like, living together kind of comes off like lesbian roommates, even if they're not dating each other, like, in a way. I don't, I don't know how to put it. Yeah, it just feels like a very queer show, and any relationship is just bound to happen at any point. And that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I think that's cool as well. I think you put it well where it's just, like, if anyone basically in the show was to have a relationship, it would feel all right. It would feel like it was natural. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so we have another question from Pantalon. Am yeah, I saying that right? I think so. <laughs> Pantalon. Um, Pearl and Rose, what are your thoughts on their relationship? Is the relationship rooted in Pearl's tendency to serve, or is it a two-way street? That's an interesting question. You know, I grew up most of my life um, subscribing to heterosexual beliefs, and then only recently have not been. Um, that's a weird way to come out on a podcast. Um, <laughs> but basically, you know, I've, I'm one of those people who are like, why does everything have to be gay? But then when you ship straight characters, I'm like, but why did you have to ship anybody? So I'm just kind of, I think I'm just grumpy mostly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it is. I, but Rose and Pearl is complicated because there's definitely a weird power dynamic there. Like, I mean, not just in command, like a literal power dynamic in the Pearl subset of gems is a server class, but I think that Pearl's love for Rose just happens to be next to that because obviously Pearl was a Pearl for somebody else at some point. I think, I think she just loves Rose because come on, Rose is awesome and she's pretty hot (laughs) and it's like 80 feet tall or eight. A giant woman. Yeah. She's the OG giant woman, (laughs) but I don't think, I I don't think it's 100% of, Two-way street. I mean, I guess if Rebecca Sugar said it is, then it is. But it always came off to me like Rose is like, like again like that weird metaphor is is this a relationship or is it sex kind of thing? And Rose just seemed very cavalier about anything. Like, hey, I'll go do whatever with Pearl today. Oh, hey, here's this random human with long hair. That's cool. Let's go hang out and somehow create a baby, which they're gonna have to figure out a PG way to explain to talk that. About but that yeah. <laughs> Other than like we figured out how to fuse, kind of. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't, one hundred percent think it was that two way, or I can't quite figure out the reason that. No offense to men or Greg, what's so extraordinary about Greg that you pick him over a magical woman who you could fuse with and be with forever? I'm so curious but, about that. So I'm thinking it, it couldn't have been that romantic. It, it was like 
a fling for them, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe Rose is just a huge bro and just does whatever. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I um, I wonder, like, I always thought maybe it started out as uh, Pearl was maybe working for Rose or something uh, in the wars. And then, like, eventually there was love. I, I don't know. Their relationship is so mysterious still to me so i'm 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 really not sure like maybe it started that way and there was some idolization at first uh that probably came from you know the natural i guess pearl uh the way that pearls are in the in the show and maybe it eventually became this this two-way thing and we just haven't seen like the backstory on that um but yeah i'm still like i'm i don't know i feel like maybe it did start uh, as a one-way kind of thing uh, for Pearl. Um, and then maybe it became this bigger thing um, that I hope we see soon. Because, I, yeah, I'm so interested in, like, what happened with Rose and Greg. And, like, um, I mean, like, we know kind of how they met. But, like, what is the deal? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm curious if Rose knew something else about gem lore that caused her to think that you know, it's better for whatever this effort is for there to be like a human hybrid. Mm, um, mm. May- maybe she was wise beyond her years. Um, well, obviously, but you <laughs> know, her her relationship with Pearl is weird because she like you know when Lion shows up, Rose is like Pearl didn't ha- uh, Rose didn't have a line, and then mm-hmm. the, we see an episode later she had like ten lines, <laughs> <laughs> which the pink one wasn't there. So hmm, what could that mean? I don't know. Um, but she had many lines. It was all in just random adventures by herself. And also, like, when she fuses into Rainbow Quartz, Pearl has her jelly face on. I was like, hey, we should fuse. And Rose like, ooh, that sounds amazing. So it just seemed like she has a very cavalier attitude about other gems, humans. I think she just was kind of a flippant person. And I really would like to know what happened. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where one person is more into the relationship than the other person like i i think rose cared for pearl absolutely was Mm -hmm. more focused on other things besides relationships so and then mr uh, universe rolls around with a guitar and (laughs) (laughs) things change (laughs) yeah but i think i agree though that i think sort of steven was the end goal there as opposed to um her great love for his father Oh. <laughs> I, I think there was like a some love there, but I, you know, it, it's weird because there's this magical pink lion that has no explanation why it has magical powers. It's the only magic we see that doesn't seem to have a gem. So I, I'm not sure if Rose split herself into being a gem. Um, hmm. you know, when we, <laughs> I'm just getting into wild speculation <laughs> here, but you know, when when Stephen was in space with the eyeball gem eyeball ruby he's like please please don't please don't shatter me please don't crack me i don't want to poof and he stops and gets dead she's like what would even happen to me and you're like that's <laughs> kind of morbid but i don't know if rose like split herself in half and she's the other half of the lion or something i don't know like it's pink you know we don't see how deep the gem goes into steven's stomach it could literally just be on the top of it <laughs> um which would kind of explain why his fusion's always like his fusion with Amethyst only had three arms instead of four. I don't know. Maybe he mm. is only, like when they say he's half gem, maybe he literally is only half a gem and the other half of Rose's line. I don't know. 
there's no precedence for that. I just made that up. <laughs> so while we're wildly speculating, one of the Forever Noobs other questions was any theories you'd like to share? That's I don't I don't have anything in mind. I just my theory was that Alexandrite was gonna team up with Stevani to fight Malachite, but that didn't happen, so I'm kind of just curious to see what's gonna happen. I'm theorizing that um I saw a video that was saying A Wrinkle in Time, the book that Connie clearly has in the first intro, is foreshadowing what her life's gonna be. Hmm. Um, but I'm thinking it might actually be Steven's life that it's going to be. It's like, hey, it's a girl who wakes up with magical po- she finds out she has magical powers and then like people help her do all this and then like their dad gets kidnapped and like that there's a bare chance of that being Steven or like the genders are flipped or something. I don't know. Hmm. So it's more of things I'd like to see more so than theories I have. Are there other things that you would like to see in the show? Like um, Pie in the Sky maybe? <laughs> I'd like to see what all of I mean, Steven's very unique in that he can theoretically fuse with every person who exists in the show. So That's true. Um, <laughs> given whatever the standard would be, like it seemed like his fusion with Connie was based off of love or friendship. Amethyst was, once you look into it, just based on a deep hatred of self that they needed each other's comfort. But like, what would it look like if you fused with Garnet or with, or, you know, Rose and Pearl fused once and gross creepy implications aside what would a rose steven fusion look like would it look like the same rainbow quartz would it be a different rainbow quartz Hmm. um does every ruby that fuses with every sapphire would it look like garnet of some sort stuff like that yeah is there a maximum to amount of gems that can fuse could they just all fuse so i think theoretically there's not because the cluster is just a bunch of shell shards fused together but we've seen fusions of two to five so single gem fusions anyone who fused with garnet and rubies have stacked five to fuse into a giant ruby before so there doesn't seem to be like any limit that i can tell just whatever would be practical yeah i don't think i've heard anything about there being a limit or anybody saying that there would be too many or something like that. And also, like, cross-gem fusion was forbidden and looked down upon on Homeworld, so I don't know if... I'm, I'm curious that there is a limit, and, you know, I wonder if the diamonds know the power of fusion. Like, that might be why it's looked down upon, because they know it's the chance to get overthrown. Yeah, they're, like, hiding it from, from the general populace, maybe, where they're like, if people find this out, we're in trouble. Yeah, for sure. Like, every fusion that has existed has defeated Jasper. Just based off of Harmony, even though two gems that she can easily overpower by, like, a long shot can stand up to, like, Steven fused with Connie, who's not a gem, and that, that put put a hurt on Jasper. So, you know, trained gems fusing together could seriously cause a threat for whatever status quo they want to maintain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a theory. Yeah, I I don't know. I really want to see, like, more homeworld stuff. I want to know, like, about where they came from and... All about the gem hierarchy, like give me that, I want it. Well, that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be wild. There's so much to I dig know. into there. <laughs> I heard that they do have an ending planned for the show, which is nice to hear. That is good. Whether yeah. or not, however long it takes to get there, I'm glad that they have a goal. Um, speaking of how long it takes to get there, 
the <laughs> uh, schedule of this show is kind <laughs> of all over the place. Riley, you linked this article from the EV Club about the frustrating schedule and how it's crucial to its success. Um, do you want to talk about Stephen Bombs? Uh, yeah, so at least from what I understand, Stephen Bombs are like, uh, the creators will announce that they have a bunch of shows that they're just going to air like uh, one after the other. So there will be a week. And usually I know because uh, my whole Twitter timeline is like, it's time for Stephen Bomb. <laughs> Here <laughs> um, it comes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, cool. And I usually end up catching it later because I don't have cable. So, <laughs> so I have to like catch it some other way. But it's like the show doesn't really air on a regular schedule. So it's not like, you know, weekly. Um, it'll be like a bunch of shows just come out poof, all at once. And everybody kind of has this overload of Stephen information, aka Stephen Baum, uh, like all at once. And all of the episodes come at the same time. Like, I think they usually air every day during a week, something like that. Yeah, it's usually that. Yeah. When they do the bombs. Yeah, so. Yeah, and I find it so strange, but it works really well for them. <laughs> and they had that really weird summer of Steven where they're like, you guys like Steven bombs? What if we did 20 episodes in a row like for four weeks? <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, yeah, that give me more of that. I want that. That's what I need. Well, I think it's like the Netflix effect, you know? Um, I saw some article that mentioned the reason Netflix shows, well, the reason the shows work is they wouldn't work on a week-to-week basis based on their structure, but also... Um, what's really, how do you get things into the public consciousness so much, you know, mm. um, especially with a lot of the Steven bombs, they are episodes that work well with a short amount of turnaround time. Yeah. They, they just work in rapid succession. It's like, well, if you had to wait a week between the, uh, what jailbreak and the episode before it, waiting a week between that would feel like an eternity, even though there doesn't need to be a break between it and then waiting some hours to see the the aftermath. I think it really gives you sensory overload in a very positive way and keeps things in your forefront of your mind. Mm-hmm. It helps too that their episodes are short, so it doesn't feel like you're watching twenty two one hour episodes. Um, yeah, that would that would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, not that I've had any experience with doing that at all. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I find them easier to watch. Uh, you know, the, like, short burst of information and then um, catching up on them kind of all at once because they're so short works really well for my viewing schedule in particular. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think they're they're acutely aware, especially with all the internet stuff. They, I think they're aware that their episodes aren't always being watched in the way that they're being aired. Um, mm-hmm. Leaks withstanding. I, I think they're aware of that. Um but they're still getting the viewership to keep the show on. I think they're acutely aware of uh, reach. I think a lot more studios, are, studios and producers are looking at like live tweets, social media reach. Mm-hmm. I think when you when you put it all together like that, it's not so much that it's working that they're releasing it all together. I think it's the fact that there's not a lot for a while. So you could just save up all the Stephen Bomb episodes and probably just watch them once a week and keep pace. But... We all live busy lives, you know. It's a lot easier to say, as weird as it sounds, I'll set an hour aside and catch up on the whole Stephen Baum on Saturday than, 
well, I'm going to catch it every Thursday at 6 o'clock. Yeah. You know? You make your own viewing schedule. Yeah. Like, some kids have sports schedules or activity schedules. Adults have jobs. They could start at 3 p.m. and you might miss it. So, this way, you have a, as much time as you need to catch up until the next plot point comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the uh, DVDs that that are out there's only two of them out right now and they're 12 episodes each and when i got them i assumed that it was the first 24 episodes but as it happens the first season was something like 52 episodes long <laughs> yeah so, that was weird <laughs> so the dvds are just sort of select episodes oh no from really? season one oh. so yeah so they've got the pilot and like the first few and they've got like the, the finale and things but i guess i'm not sure if they just took like the important sort of lore episodes hmm. uh but yeah they definitely skipped a lot which seems strange because of the because of the variable schedule. You think that the DVDs would be pretty hot sellers and that they would make some more. Yeah, yeah. Adventure Time did that too, and I thought it was a pain in the neck to try to catch up using that. The DVDs. People want to give them their money. Yeah, like I'd, I'd love to just buy a season of something. Like here's twelve of the best episodes from season one. I'm like, well, that's. That's not the right way. (laughs) (laughs) I want to watch all of them. The good and the bad. Yeah, exactly. Especially since there's just always so much going on with them, even if they're not, you know, key story things. There's always new things being revealed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all the little background stuff, like, you know, that they include to, like, layer and layer and layer. And you maybe miss something because you don't have that, the one episode or whatever that first introduced that thing. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, one of the things that I really like about this show is that they use musical numbers in the episodes, which are some of the things that I like the most, like specifically in the jailbreak episode, the one where Garnet sang as she kicked ass yeah. uh, was sort of one of my favorite bits. And even the opening theme song is just really catchy and memorable. Um, does anyone have any particular favorite musical moments or thoughts on how they use music throughout the show i have a favorite song i like uh when pearl is training connie i love that song (laughs) that is a good one there's a there's a few obviously the intro is really good so i mean it just it, it does a it does the good thing of cartoon intro and explains what's going on but the extended cut that was originally shown in that short where it starts with little baby Steven singing and then it transitions into like the full blown season two version of the show, uh, show theme. That's amazing. It's, it's really beautiful. Um, stronger than you, obviously fantastic. But one thing that I do like that's not one of the musical numbers because they're also good is I think it's called Mirror Match. It's, you know, AV and Surashu. Uh, the the composers they're amazing. I, I backed a video game on Kickstarter just because it had their music. Um, <laughs> it also has good gameplay and art looking. But anyway, what it is is when Lapis fights the crystal gems and she makes mirrors of all of them, mm. and mm-hmm. it does that. You know, music's really important because it sets the, the tone for everything. But what happens is instead of just seeing like a free for all, each of the gems fight each other, and during each phase of it, it's kind of their not their theme, but their tone. So obviously when Pearl's fighting the other Pearl, has like a lot of piano. Um, Garnet's is a little bit groovier. Amethyst has like, I think, some bass. But 
it's it's just a song that goes through different phases matching each of the gems personalities and styles and i thought that was an amazing use of music and then it just goes and ends when steven puts his shield and blows up like the the bad guy steven that's cool yeah really good soundscaping it's so good So another question we have from the Forever Noob is about Lars. Um, He says he was a little sad to see that Lars's home life seems to be fairly good. He assumed that he was a jerk because he didn't have a great situation. Obviously, we only saw a little bit and it could have been different in the past. I actually saw a fan theory that Lars was trans. I wouldn't be surprised if that were true given the show's record for representation, but I don't think there's enough evidence one way or another. I want to like Lars, but and sometimes I do, but other times he's just a dick and I don't know why. Basically, what are your thoughts on Lars and why do you think he acts the way he does? I have a lot of thoughts about Lars. Um, I, I'm glad they his home life showed that he's in high school, so that kind of gives some context to who he, I wasn't sure if he was a college kid or slightly older, slightly younger. So he's in high school. Um, I, I feel like he's a good counter to Steven because Steven is a very positive character and Lars is a very negative character. But I, I've been there in my life as a teenage boy growing up or preteen, tween, teenage He's, he, Lars just is a dick. That is his, his character. Um, he's redeemable. He's never shown to be doing it for the evils. He's doing it because complicated feelings, you know, anytime he's mean to Steven around the cool kids, it's not out of be mean to Steven. It's like, Oh, I want the cool kids to like me. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell that he very much does care for Sadie, but he, he's a jackass and <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and condone it. It's obviously wrong, but I think it's a different phase of a person. And, you know, a lot of people that are jerks is just, why doesn't anyone understand me, this or that? And I think that is an important part of growing up. I think it's his his, his emotions aren't very nurtured, even though his parents are good people. And, you know, we're, they're nice. They might be bad parents in some way. I don't know. Like in the Fairly Odd Parents, uh, that rich kid, Remy, his parents were, they cared for him very well, but they were kind of distant. So I don't know if Lars's parents are or not. But on the other end, um, a theory that Lars is trans. I personally get kind of uncomfortable by trans headcanons just because they seem to play into a lot of like stereotypical things that are to me seem kind of like, uh, that's you're kind of feeding into stereotypes that way. Mm-hmm. And they don't, and, and you know, there, there's people that are of different kinds of, there's different types anywhere. Cis, trans, you're, you can be any kind of person, but I just hate when you see a, a headcanon like for, for instance, Samus uh, from Metroid. Mm-hmm. People are like, well, she's possibly trans because she's so tall. And I'm like, that's pretty problematic in your reasoning. <laughs> yeah. And with Lars, I haven't really seen why people think that. And obviously, he, he just could be. There doesn't need to be a reason. You don't need proof one way or another. But it always seems like when people apply these headcanons, it's not because we'd like some... Uh, representation where we've seen a specific thing, it's always something kind of like, yeah, that's uh, you're, you're kind of feeding into the problematic elements of that, yeah. and that's just kind of why we stay away from those head cannons. Um, you know, when I meet trans people that like these head cannons, then I'm like, okay, this is at least above board for one person, but I'm not really going to be the one to suggest those or speak on authority to them. I just that's just how I feel about those, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, 
that kind of thing is something that I don't think I can say a lot about either. Like, I am a cis hetero woman. Like, <laughs> there's not not a lot on on trans issues that I could like talk about with any like kind of authority at all. Right. I can just say why well, I don't I don't like people just randomly throwing that around. But I mean, if it's all above board on the people that, that is reflective of, then I will be the first to say, cool. Then I will go with this. But I think. Mm-hmm. I'd rather not be limiting to people. It's kind of like when we have blackhead cans for characters, which is kind of funny. You know, um, like Knuckles from Sonic is sometimes coded as black. Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z. And, you know, I feed into this too. It's it's kind of funny because of just the things. But to an extent, you are just kind of, well, why do you think this person is this when there was no indication? So, well, obviously Knuckles is black because he has dreads and loves gems and listens to rap music. Like, oh, I'm, I'm doing the thing. On the other hand, there are those people do exist. So, eh. yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm not going to be the one that pigeonholes another group. Um, now, if you want to talk about black head cans or bi head cans, I can do that. But I hesitate to comment on a trans head can more than I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the same. I can't. Uh, I don't feel like I have any real insight into uh, Lars as possibly a trans character. Although I think going back to the question about seeing his home life and seeing that it's okay, you know, it's usually not a direct relation of that with, you know, shitty parents equals shitty kid, great parents equals great kid. Sometimes if only were that simple. Sometimes <laughs> teenagers are just dicks, so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Now twenty year old Lars, if if he's a dick, then you know, maybe something's amiss, but teenagers are teenagers. Yeah. You just like I don't know. I was a bit of an asshole <laughs> when I was mm-hmm. younger. So, yeah, I if they like, was, yeah. yeah, you know, if they like stuck me in a show like this and I was the asshole kid, well, like, yeah, I, I, I was, but, you know, I'm, I've learned and grown as a person. So there's, there's still room for, for Lars to do that. So, absolutely. He just needs to, you know, come together. Yeah. <laughs> I like that they show all the humans on Beach City have their own, like, hang ups, though. It's, you know, we call Lars out for being a dick because he's mostly because you see him. He's one of the few people who's mean to Steven. Mm-hmm. But if you look at some of the other characters, like Ronaldo has serious issues with trying to stay focused on reality. Petey has inadequacy issues. Um, Jenny is a huge asshole. Her sister, too. You just kind of it's played a little bit more for last and she's willing to stop doing it. But they didn't prelude her from preclude her from doing it. And Buck Dewey is. Well, he, he did some junky stuff to Steven, too, but he wasn't... Like, it seems like... I think the problem is Lars seems like he's being a jerk for the sake of it, but I don't I don't think that's the case. Yeah. All right. Were there any other questions anyone wanted to answer? Um, I'm not sure who Bismuth is, so... So, Bismuth is a character who made gem weapons, and she made something called the Breaking Point, which is able to completely shatter a gem, which is effectively killing them. Um... She came in for one episode, like a one half hour episode, and then she got sealed again after Steven had to poof her. You know, I think they treated Bismuth fine as a character. Some of the weird stuff is how she's racially coded. People said, oh, it's kind of bad because she falls into the mammy stereotype because she has an apron, which I think would hold more water if she wasn't an iron worker. Which I think is what they were going for. Or like blacksmith, unfortunate kind of. Yeah. yeah, she's a she's a blacksmith. Like her her gem weapon is turning her arm into a hammer and hammering things. Like bismuths are builders. Um, having dreads kind of made that weird. I, I don't think they were trying. To, you know, I don't think there was any malice there. 
she'll probably be back. Jasper will probably be back. I I hesitate to get too, too mad. You know, and Steven was afraid of Bismuth. That's why he reacted that way. Because there was a weird precedent. Whereas Peridot, he immediately thought she was a, a problem. Like, he was afraid of her at first and then fought her. But once she lost her stabilizers, um, she said, hey, you need me. It wasn't so much that he just automatically gave her pity. Um, I think the situations were a little bit different. Um, I definitely see why this could be problematic. And I'm not going to say that it's not explicitly. But I, I would use the wait and see approach. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen the episode with Bismuth, so I'm not really sure. Well, she has great theme music, so oh, hopefully she comes awesome. back. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I think that brings all of our questions to a close. There were a couple more, but we just have a lot, and we're running short on time. <laughs> so <Ooh>. sorry for rambling. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. No. It's good. I like guests who have a lot to say. <laughs> um, was there anything anyone wanted to touch on before we wrap it up? It's a good show. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't if participate you... in the problematic phases of the fandom. Like, don't be, don't be horrible to people. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Dom, for coming on and talking to us about Steven Universe and giving us our topic idea. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun, and I hope I didn't talk too, too much. I'm trying to get slightly better at it. No. No, it's fine. It was good. (laughs) Yeah. So do you want to let people know where they can find you and your podcast or anything else you want to plug? Oh, heck yeah. You guys are so nice for that. Let me get my uh, podcast voice. Okay, so if you want to hear more of what I'm doing or see me on the internet, you can find me on Twitter or pretty much anywhere on the internet. At Brother Dom. That's T-H-A, not the hard E-R. You want to hit it with Brother. I write for the Lady Geek Girl and Friends blog. It's an intersectional feminist blog. Ladygeekgirl.wordpress.com, I believe. You will find a whole bunch of other writers there. I contribute a lot about race, Sonic, Overwatch, whatevs. And you can find the podcast I do. It's called Character Reveal. It's a show where we reveal people's character, you know. Get to know them a little better. Trying to stay away from the formal interview format. You can just find us at Twitter and then get everything else from there at Character Rev. So that's two R's in the middle. I think you'll like it. It's it's fun. There's room for all kinds of podcasts. And you can listen to the episode with Pam on it. Uh, Cleves was on it. A lot of cool people. We're getting bigger and better every day. So come check us out. And I appreciate you letting me plug a little bit. Of course. And Riley, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kaleri. It's K-A-L-E-R-I with an underscore. And you can find me on Twitter at Josiah underscore or on YouTube at Cannot Be Tamed. And if you have any feedback, questions, people, or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes, you can reach out at MediaMavensCast at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at underscore MediaMavens. And if you like the show, please leave us reviews on iTunes or Stitcher because reviews help people find us. That's all for now. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>